Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for Sunday, September 10th, 2023, the 15th Sunday after Pentecost, and the start of our new Sunday School year. And as we start this new Sunday School year, we're starting a new curriculum here at Good Shepherd, where we'll be making use as our outline the Concordia Publishing House book, 120 Bible Stories. The idea is to go through about one-third of those stories, or about 40 of them per year, so that after three years, students have heard 120 important Bible stories, and then they'll start over and do it again. Story is such a great gift from God The Bible tells the story of mankind and creation from in the beginning to the end of time. Throughout the stories of the Bible, God is teaching us about himself. He's teaching us about us and our sin. And he uses story after story after story to point to Christ and his redemptive grace for us. So today, since this is the first of the 120 Bible stories, we're going to take a look at Genesis chapters 1 and the beginning of Genesis 2, the creation of the world. And while we'll be using the 120 Bible stories text in class, I'll just be using the scripture itself for, uh, for this podcast. So let's look at the creation of the world in Genesis chapter 1 and the start of Genesis chapter 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So first off, we want to note that in the beginning, there's nothing, no form, no void. God is going to create all things by his holy word. Who is God present at creation? Well, we have God the Father who creates the heavens and the earth, as we confess in the creed all the time. That's verse 1. In verse 2, we have the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters, So already in the first two verses of the Bible, we have God the Father and God the Spirit present at creation. Is God the Son, better known as Jesus, present there too? Absolutely. We have from John chapter 1 that as the Father spoke and the Spirit hovered, All things were made through the Son, the Word, who would be the Word become flesh when he was made incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. So the Father speaks through the Son, all things are made, and the Spirit is present as well, hovering over the waters. Verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. 
and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Note how God creates. He creates by speaking. In other words, his word is effective or performative. It performs or effects or does what it says. God speaks and he creates light. Of course, in the Gospels, Jesus speaks and he heals the blind. He makes the deaf hear. He makes the lame leap for joy. God's word is powerful stuff. So he creates and so he recreates. So that when his gospel is proclaimed, it's not just information by the good news about Jesus' death for our forgiveness and life. The Lord is giving us forgiveness and life and salvation. So God's word is performative or effective. It does what it says. And on the first day, he creates light and separates it from the darkness. So now we have day and now we have night. And the closing of verse of verse 5 says, And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, as a church, as the Lutheran church, we confess, we believe, and we teach that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. We do this because that's what Genesis chapter 1 says. And while some will argue that when Genesis 1 says days, but means aeons made up of billions of years, the text says it was evening and it was morning the first day. If that's what the text says, and this is the word of the Lord, that is what we teach. Now, given all the scientific arguments that it took billions of years to form the heavens and the earth, the question arises, how can the earth be created so quickly, or why does the earth look so old? Now, in the days that we look at in the rest of Genesis chapter 1, God creates old things. So, for instance, when God creates trees... He doesn't create a seed in the ground that day that will take 40 years to grow up into a tall oak tree. If you're standing around on the seventh day of creation and see an oak tree, it would look like it had been there for 40 years. Likewise, when God creates Adam and Eve, he doesn't create them as tiny zygotes or embryos or just born babies. He creates them as grown-ups. So, if you were standing around on the eighth day of creation and saw Adam and Eve, you'd say, the earth must be at least 30 years old because I'm looking at a couple of people who look like they're 30 years old. God created mature trees. God created mature people. There is no reason to see why God couldn't create an old earth with old rocks and everything else. 
And that's without even mentioning that a lot of the science to, quote, prove and, quote, evolution is suspect and incomplete in itself. Why would God create an old earth? We don't know. But it is certainly possible that the almighty creator of heaven and earth could create whatever kind of earth he wanted to. And so whether or not it seems popular or even smart to proclaim, we say what scripture says. God created the earth in in seven days, and the day is defined as one rotation of the earth. There was evening, there was morning, the first day. Verse 6 and following, God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. So the second day is a little bit difficult to reconcile with our understanding of creation today. It sounds like there's there's water below the atmosphere and then um, what God calls heaven, the atmosphere, and then, and then water above. I suppose that could be um, even the cloud cover that we see from, from the standpoint of the ground way back then. But rather than try to puzzle out how well this matches our, our modern understanding of, of the atmosphere. The big thing here is that everything is covered by water. Everything begins out of water. That's the water that the spirit hovers above. And so here the, uh, the, the heaven, the, the atmosphere as it were, is, is created, um, the, the sky is created with, with water above and below. It's created between the waters even as the land will be drawn out of the water as well. And this will actually point to holy baptism, where as God created and drew the sky and the land out of the waters in the beginning, so God draws us out of baptismal waters as new creations in Christ. Verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. So now, after these first three days, we have kind of the basic structure for a Uh, for a habitat. We have darkness and light. We have sky and surface. And now on the surface we have earth and we have seas. In verse 11 then, God starts to um, populate or decorate the habitat with, with, with plants. Verse 11, God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. 
The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. We continue with verse 14 through 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. Now what I want to draw attention to here with days three and four is that in this creation from the beginning, God chooses to work through means. This is really evident in the fourth day when God creates the sun and the moon and the stars. But you'll note that there's been light and darkness, evening and morning, since the very first day. In other words, God doesn't need a sun, moon, and stars to provide light for the day or for the night. It was already happening before he created those heavenly bodies. But God, in his wisdom and in his creativity, wills that means be used to shine light. So rather than just light for half the day or however long, he puts the sun in the sky and as the earth rotates, it's the sun that provides the light that God has created. Likewise, the moon, likewise the stars. Rather than just light and darkness, God provides a means by which the light he has created comes to us. Likewise, God could merely create Adam and Eve and just say, now you're going to be alive. But instead, he provides food. Rather than just sustain their life, their, their physical bodies, um, by, by how he has created them, kind of their, their uh, perpetual existence mode, or, or, or even simply by his word, God in his creativity instead wills that Adam and Eve continue to, to cultivate their physical health by, uh, by eating fruit, by eating vegetables. He could just zap them with nutrition by his word or with a lightning bolt from heaven, but instead God chooses to use means. That's why, although some um, Christians will say, it's kind of crazy that you believe that God uses something like water and holy baptism to give forgiveness or bread and wine to give his body and blood. We say, no, God has worked from the beginning to provide us with good things through various means. So the means of grace are simply how God has always gotten things done for us. All right, in, in um, verse 20, we arrive at the fifth day, and God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. 
So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. So, so here God creates fish swimming things and birds flying things. And from, from the way Luther reads verse 20, um, Luther believes that, that when God created the birds, they burst out of the sea and they flew into the air like, you know, like a whale breaching but never landing again. Um, and so the seas give birth to the flying things the first time around. But then once again, God uses means he, he says to the, the fish and to the birds, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So he says, rather than continually speaking more fish and birds into existence, I'm going to, I'm going to use them as the means of more creation or the means of procreation. And so God blesses them with the ability to produce more fish and more birds according to their kinds. And that's how fish and birds carry on into our present day. Likewise, then we have um, the sixth day, beginning in verse 24. God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So now we have not just birds and fish, but, but all sorts of um, animals, livestock, mammals, and the like that now inhabit the earth. And to them, too, he gives the power to, to reproduce, to procreate. Um, so, so cows are the means by which more cows come into existence, for instance. By the way, with each of these days, we read that God saw that it was good. Now, we think good as being on a continuum somewhere between mediocre and excellent. Perfect, if you will. Good does not mean kind of B, B plus on the way to perfect. Good before the fall means, and really after the fall in scripture, it means perfect, holy, just the way God wants it. So God isn't making a B, B plus creation here. God creates and everything he sees is perfect as he willed it to be. Because when God speaks, his effective word accomplishes what he wants. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let's stop there. Let us make man in our image. God switches to plural pronouns here. Why? 
because he is speaking of himself. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know they're all there in Genesis 1, 1, and 2. And as God refers to himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he speaks of himself, the one God is us and our. And the triune God makes man in his, their own image after their likeness. And what that means is as God is holy and righteous and loving, he will create Adam and Eve to be holy and righteous and loving as well. As God is by nature a servant, so Adam and Eve by nature will want to serve God and serve one another. That is life in a perfect creation. All right, so, so God says, um, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens, the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing. So God declares that mankind, men and women, will be superior to and have dominion over the rest of creation. And that means that he gives to them a stewardship. In creation, Adam and Eve have a superior position, which means it is given to them to care for the creation, to care for the fish and the birds, to manage the livestock and the creeping things. They are to take what God has entrusted to them and care for it, which is extremely easier to do in a perfect world. I bring this up because sometimes people think that man and woman, human beings, are simply just one more species of animals like dogs or cats or turtles or whatever. But God gives them a unique position in creation because he gives them authority. Sometimes people assume this dominion means that we can just go ahead and trash creation because God says do whatever you want. But God says, no, I make you a steward of creation to care for it on my behalf. In verse 27, we read, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God creates Man in his own image as male and female, right? So this is a summary of God first creating Adam and then creating Eve out of Adam's side. And they are created to reflect his holiness, his righteousness, his love, to be his stewards of the creation he has made. And we do maintain, and this is helpful for us to maintain, that it is not just the man created in God's image, but Scripture makes clear that the man and woman are both created in the image of God. And we read in verse 28, God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God gives the same blessing to Adam and Eve that he gave to the animals. Be fruitful and multiply. 
So there are going to be more kids after more people after Adam and Eve because they are fruitful and they multiply. This, the Bible says, is a blessing. Because God blesses them with his effective word, be fruitful and multiply, they can now have children. God could raise children by planting them in the ground like turnips or having them fall from the sky like hail. That'd be weird. But instead, he says, I will use man and woman and, and their, their one fleshness to bring more people into the world. Now, this is sometimes interpreted as a, a requirement by God. You must have a multiple number of children and keep on having kids or else. But the text doesn't say God commanded them or required of them. It says God blessed them. They now have the, the joyful ability to bring kids into the world. And my goodness, in, in a world without sin, without pain, without death, why, why would they not want to multiply as much as possible? All right? Along with that ability to procreate, God gives them dominion over the creation as well. And then he says in verse 29, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with, its, with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so... And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So before the fall into sin, there's no meat eating, because there's no death. Blood isn't shed. Everything is created perfect. No dying. And so God gives to beasts of the earth, and the birds of the heavens... And to people as well, plants for grazing, for eating, for enjoying, fruits and vegetables and the like. When does meat eating come in? That's after the fall. When sacrifices are made, when blood is shed. But more than that in an upcoming podcast. At any rate, now the sixth day has concluded. God has created animals. He has created Adam and Eve, those two in his own image. He's given them the gift of food. He's given them the blessing of dominion and the blessing to procreate. And now creation is completed. And then we have this little addition at the start of Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. One through three, actually. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God creates all things in six days' time, the heavens and the earth, and he rests on the seventh. Not because he's tired and needs a break, 
but because his work is done. Creation is complete. It's finished in every detail. And so God takes a day to rest. Not because he needs to, but he's going to use that Sabbath rest to teach us. On the one hand, God uses the Sabbath day to teach us his law. As he explains the third commandment in Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, he commands the people to rest on the Sabbath day, the seventh day, because he rested on the seventh day. He didn't need to, but he did to set the example because mankind needs to. They need a day of rest, both to provide rest for their bodies and also a day to hear God's word and to receive his gifts for their souls. So, when God explains the Ten Commandments, his law, he uses the seventh day, his day of rest, to command a day of rest for us. Also, however, the Sabbath day is a day of rest in the New Testament as we hear of Christ winning salvation for us, as we hear about the gospel. In fact, um, with that, let's move into a few notes here of how the story points to Christ. Because there are parallels between the week of creation and the week of Jesus' death. We can draw some other parallels earlier in the week of creation and Holy Week, but, but most obviously Jesus is crucified on the sixth day of the week. He's crucified on Friday. And this, the sixth day of the week, the first Friday, was when Adam was created. And so as, a, as the first Adam was created on the sixth day of the week, Jesus, whom Romans 5 calls the second Adam, he died so that Adam and his descendants could be recreated by his grace. Adam is created on the sixth day of the week. Jesus dies on the sixth day of Holy Week for the redemption of Adam and all of his children. What does Jesus do on the seventh day? Well, he rises on the eighth, which means on the seventh day, the day after his crucifixion, he is at rest. It's finished. The work of salvation is complete. So as God rested on the seventh day of creation because there was nothing more left to do to complete creation, Jesus rests on the seventh day of Holy Week because there's nothing left to do to complete redemption. It is done for us. And then the week rolls over to the first day of the week. On the first day of the week after Jesus was crucified, he is risen from the dead to give new life, to make us new creations. On the first day of the week in Genesis chapter 1, God begins to make creation. So the pattern of the week of creation, Genesis 1, the pattern of creation there actually points us to Christ and his work in Holy Week. A few other things about this text that point to Christ. As God first spoke to bring light into the world, 
Jesus declares that he is the light of the world, and he drives away the darkness of sin and death. So, God creates by speaking, he creates light by speaking, and Jesus enlightens us, gives us his grace and his righteousness by his holy word. Jesus declares in John 1.14 that he is the word made flesh. As all things were once made through him as God spoke his performative word, now Jesus speaks to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to forgive sins. So think of it this way. When God speaks to create Adam and Eve, he, he puts the wheels in motion so that eventually... Bartimaeus will be created. Now, Bartimaeus, suffering from the wages of sin, is blind in Jericho when Jesus meets him. So what does Jesus do? He speaks to give Bartimaeus sight. He speaks to to restore to him what he should have had at creation had Adam not fallen into sin. So where God spoke to create, Jesus, the word made flesh, speaks to recreate. Another point, as God breathed life into Adam, Jesus, when he rises from the dead, will breathe on his disciples to give them the Holy Spirit. By means, by the work of the Holy Spirit, they will proclaim his word, and his word will give forgiveness and life. So as God first breathed life into Adam to create him, Jesus breathes on his disciples so that we might be recreated by his grace, by his gift of life. Also, because man was created in God's image and lost that image in the fall into sin, Jesus takes on the form and likeness of man to restore us from sin. So Adam and Eve were created in God's image. They lose it. So God says, okay, I'll take on the form of man to restore them. How loving is our God? Hey, as as we uh, start to conclude this podcast... A couple of verses to keep in mind. Um, in Exodus 20, I mentioned, remember, the Sabbath day to keep it holy before. Um, as, as Scripture comments on the third commandment, um, it confirms that God created all things in six days and rested on the seventh. So the Bible, and specifically here the book of Exodus in chapter 20, verse 11, and in 31, 17, is very serious about saying this took place in six days' time. Likewise, throughout Scripture, God is acknowledged as the maker of heaven and earth. It's not just kind of a mythological tale from Genesis chapter 1. This is a... um, a clear teaching of the Bible in 2 Chronicles 2, verse 12, Psalm 115, 15, Psalm 124, verse 8, Psalm 134, verse 3, Psalm 146, verse 6, Isaiah 45, 18, Jeremiah 10, 12, 
Jeremiah 32:17 and 51:15, Acts 4:24, 14:15, Revelation 14:7 are some of the verses. Again and again, the Bible makes no no bones about it. God is the maker of heaven and earth. And Hebrews 11 verse 3 declares, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. All right, so Hebrews 11, pretty near the end of the New Testament, repeats that God created all things out of nothing, simply by speaking his powerful, effective, creative word. I know this podcast is getting a little bit longer than the half hour I usually try for. This is such a big story, though. Um, I also want to speak briefly about um, pertinent sections of the small catechism that tie into the story. So um, we have we've already talked about the third commandment, a good commandment to review as we speak of creation, because we want to gladly hear and learn God's word because it is powerful and effective. It's good, of course, to recite the Apostles' Creed every day. And the first article of the Creed is especially relevant, where we read that, or we say that, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Of course, the second and third articles cover God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, who are also present with the Father at creation. Might be a good time to meditate upon uh, the, the fourth section of the Catechism on Holy Baptism. Because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, are present at creation, which begins with water and God speaking his word. And likewise, in Holy Baptism, the triune God is at work by water and the word to make us new creations in Christ. And finally, it's good to remember the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread because God still creates and God still preserves and God provides us with daily bread. He didn't just create the heavens and the earth and let them go, but today is happening because God is still at work to create and to preserve. With that then, just one note about the liturgy. In Divine Service 3, in the service of confession and absolution, we get to recite Psalm 124, verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. How about that? When we need assistance in the form of forgiveness and deliverance from sin and death, We're not calling upon some sort of lesser being that might be able to help us out. Our help is in the name of the one who created the heavens and the earth, who rules over all things, and who, by the death of his son, has even conquered death in the grave for us. So, as you meditate and reflect upon God's gift of this creation, rejoice always that in Christ... You are a new creation.
This concludes our inaugural podcast for the new Sunday school year. God grant you every blessing as you meditate upon it and perhaps teach it to others. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.